We're into an ongoing topic, and uh, it's doing life with God. People that are outside of the Christian life who get around Christians and see how they live probably get a little bit of a, uh, I guess you could say, a bit of an upskill on uh, what living for God uh, and doing life with God is like. Uh, we're up to part four, but uh, we've seen that it's actually a big subject. And as we've sort of kicked off on this one, I thought just a couple of weeks on this topic, but it's uh, the Lord just keeps on dropping in more and I like it. So, But there's been a bit of a break. The last couple of weeks have been a bit of a break from it. So let's do a little revision today and look again at some of the takeaways, uh, those key truths that help us to realise that the life that Jesus came to bring us doesn't just drop out of heaven on us because we are Christians and because we've got a brand new little white Bible, okay? It doesn't just happen like that. It's a life that needs to be chosen. Say chosen this morning. You know, you've got to choose life uh, in Christ. And uh, I'm not just talking about when you got born again. I found out firsthand that I could be a child of God, born again, saved by grace, confident of going to heaven, I could have all those things happening, thank God, but then miss out on the life that God wanted me to live, the blessings that he had in store for me, simply because I didn't choose it. Simply because I didn't claim it and say, hey, that's mine. You know, it's like the inheritance that belongs to you and you've got to stand up and say, that's mine. I'm having that. And the Christian life has those components to it, that part to it, where you've actually got to start claiming the promises that God has made in his word, the blessings. Make a note, God's will for our lives must be chosen. Your free will won't be violated by God. Your free will, your ability to choose won't be violated by God. He's going to make you come down here and send a big angel stick his big sword in your face and say, choose it, you know, threaten you, you know, with, with uh, you know, spiritual violence. And uh, it's so important for us to get a hold of this. And we've been sort of getting into it uh, a little bit and a little bit of a recap today so that we can see uh, the things that we're talking about come straight out of the word of God. It says there, I call, Deuteronomy 30, verse 19 to 20, says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you today, that I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. And we must see if it's not chosen for us, or I should say we have to see that it's not chosen uh, for us, we have to choose life and we need to recognise as we read on that we're given the tip on how to choose it. It says, therefore, choose life. I don't know about you, but I started to work out that if I didn't choose it, it just didn't happen. I actually had to be active. I had to be a part of of the equation of receiving the promises of God. And that you may love the Lord your God, obey him and hold fast to him, for he is your life. I like that part. For he is your life. And uh, we're talking about doing life with God. And he will prolong your life in the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. There's that multi-generational God. He's working with us. He's working with our children and our children's children. I like it. He's a multi-generational God. In other words, he's all about family. And as we've seen, we're not just talking about choosing to be saved either. 
uh, by faith, you know, but recognising that the lifestyle of the saved is to go on choosing God's life. Jesus made it clear over in John 10.10 that there is a contrast between uh, what God wants us to accomplish in our lives and what the devil wants to accomplish. And if you've ever seen a defeated Christian, someone walking around under the circumstances and not over the circumstances, you'll know what I'm talking about. John 10.10, and again we saw this and I'm just repeating it a little bit, but it says, the thief, we know who he is, the thief comes not to uh, come, does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I've come, Jesus talking here, I've come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. So it's not just life, it's abundant life, you know. My Bible says in uh, uh, Ephesians 3.20 that he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or even think. You think about that. He's able to do above, exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. You know, even if your prayer life is extravagant, he can do better. You know, if you're believing for big things, he can do better than that. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. And remember, it's that word life is that Greek word zoe. And it's simply traded, uh, translated as the God kind of life. I don't know about you, but I'm signed up. I'm all in. I, 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 you know, I, I've uh, worked out uh, 40 years after, or over 40 years after being saved, that this is the best life. And um, I found out that quite quickly, but there were some truths I had to I had to discover. There were some truths I had to start implementing in my life that would make a difference. And you know, I, I, I just believe that there may be even some people here today who are in the same boat who didn't, hasn't quite understood it. You, you, you've realised that maybe you know, you, you, you know, you, that you're saved and you're confident about being saved and getting to go to heaven one day. But the life, the life that God came to give is also here. We, we call it steak on the plate, not just pie in the sky. You know, it's great to have pie in the sky, but I don't know about you, but I want some steak on the plate. You know, I want to enjoy something here that says something of God in my life. And, um, and of course, I've found out that that's something I need to choose for myself. I'm so glad that after I was saved for two and a half years, that the Spirit of the Lord got on me in a church service and told me to get up and get out. You know why? I believe because what I was getting was not what God wanted for me. You know, I don't recommend that anyone in here does that today. Okay. <laughs> I don't recommend that at all. Uh, but I was in a church that was teaching what they knew. They, you know, they, they, had a, they had a doctrine, a system of ministry to people, and they were just going through that. I had someone come up to me and said, after three years you've heard all the sermons. I said, really? And I was at the two and a half year point, you know. And, um, but that wasn't what got me up. It was the Spirit of God just, just got on me one day. And I, I almost felt unwell. But I knew it was something spiritual going on. And God got me up and out and into a place. And I was in there the same day where I would hear truths that would make my life so different. And uh, I'm so glad for that. I'm so glad for that change. I'm so glad for that adjustment in what I was intaking, what I was digesting spiritually. And it made a difference straight away. 
they taught that you know you're saved and going to heaven they taught that bit but they didn't teach you about what you needed to do to start walking in your inheritance they didn't teach you what it is that you know the promise were there promises there were in, in the word of God that were there for you to receive and walk in and in uh, Proverbs 18 verse 21 they certainly didn't teach you that you know you had the power of the tongue and it says this in, in Proverbs 18, verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. We've got to get a hold of that truth, you know, that what you're speaking, what you're saying. You know, I found out uh, very quickly that the biggest problem I had was right under my nose. It was right under my nose. It was my mouth. I was speaking things into existence in my life that I shouldn't have been. And I had to change my vocabulary. I had to change and start speaking in line with God's word. Start saying what he was saying. The truth to catch here is that our tongue, our words spoken, is the very place where we either align with God, partner with him and his purposes, or we by default walk out of step with God. He's, you know, and he says, you choose. He's saying, you choose. The best example of this is the account of God's people being delivered out of Egypt. I, I love this account. And, um, you know, uh, the land of bondage where they had been held in slavery. And if you read the books of the Bible, Exodus and Numbers, you know, uh, you'll see what, what I'm talking about there. Getting the people out of the land of, of Egypt was relatively easy compared to getting the people, uh, uh, you know, to keep walking with God, getting them to stay aligned with God. And, uh, and of course, um, that, that, that purpose, getting, getting Egypt out of the people was the big problem. You know, it's like, you know, uh, uh, God could get the people out of Egypt, but it was the, 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 the getting Egypt out of the Hebrew people was going to take a whole lot longer. And uh, in fact, we know it was 40 years in the wilderness, wasn't it? You know. And if you know the story, Moses sends out, sends out uh, uh, spies into the land of Canaan, and out of uh, uh, 12 spies that were sent into the land, um, you know, the, 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 the 12 came back with their report. And, of course, they went, went in and saw the promised land. And only two said, you know, in coming back and giving a report, only two said what God said. Great truth for us to get a hold of, that we need to be a people that say what God's saying. We need to be a people that are partnering with him. We need to be a people that are aligning uh, with God. And, uh, and we do it with our mouths. We align our words and our faith with God's word. God's looking for a people that will work with him, and not just for him. Sometimes I tell you, that is a, a fruitless exercise sometimes, trying to work for God when we're failing to work with him. Can I get an amen this morning? I tell you, there's such a big difference between the two. They look pretty similar, you know, because we wear the same clothes and we do the same things, but working with God is about having that heart connected to him, hearing his word. We were only in prayer a couple of weeks ago and we were talking about that very thing, that God wants us to be a people of the word and also a people of the spirit, where we're actually hearing his word. We're hearing what God's saying to us, what he's leading and guiding us into. And that's very important when you're in a prayer, in a prayer meeting, is to be praying what God's saying. And because uh, he'll lead you in your, in your prayer, you know, in your prayer time, in your prayer meetings. He'll lead you and what things need to be prayed uh, through. I'm so glad. Uh, we used to do it a little bit different back in the old days in Queensland, didn't we, love? We used to write every now and then I, I find uh, uh, an exercise book that's gotten all the prayers that we would write down. But we would talk about what we were going to pray about and, uh, and then we'd pray. But I tell you what's so important is to pray about 
what are you going to pray about? Because God wants to lead you. He wants to direct you. He wants, to, wants you to be a person that prays not uh, uh, just uh, um, by what you know, but, but, why you, but what you don't know as well. So important. God's looking for a people that will work with him, not just for him. A people that pursue the fulfilment of his promises. And uh, so important. Hebrews 11 and verse 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please God. And uh, such a great truth to get a hold of. It says, For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he's what? A rewarder of those that diligently seek him. He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So, you know, uh, faith is all important. As we've seen over in uh, 1 Peter 3 and verse 10, it says there, for he who would love life. That's, I don't know, I don't think there's anyone in the room who says, no, I don't want to love life. And, and the scriptures are telling us very clearly that God wants us to love life. He that would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil. You know, when you're speaking stuff that you shouldn't be speaking, you ought to catch yourself in the mirror, you know, and just go, or go like this. You know, you know what I'm talking about. When, when you find yourself just having an outburst, you've got to stop yourself because those words that are going out of your mouth are powerful and even more powerful if you believe them. He that would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. You know, the Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called what? The sons and daughters of God. You know, we can make peace with our mouths, with our tongues, what we say. What we meditate on, it's so very important. And at some point in the Christian life, we get to the place where we realise that choosing life over cursing, praying for his will to be done, living out of his promises by faith, is going to require a strong commitment to walk in love. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And let me ask you, when was the last time that you prayed for your enemy? Say, oh, I haven't got any enemies. We'll have a prayer line a little bit later for liars, okay? <laughs> but, you know, uh, the truth is, is that we really need to ask ourselves about that. Not talking about someone who hurt you. We know the scriptures are very clear that we shouldn't allow people to offend us or be easily offended. You're not talking about that. Someone who persecuted you is what I'm talking about. Someone who despitefully used you. How are you going with that is my question this morning. How are you going in the midst of that? You see, that's not the paddle pool. That's the deep end of the pool, isn't it? And uh, the question that needs to be answered here is, have you blessed them and have you prayed for them? Lately. <laughs> oh, I forgave them. You know, and, and when you, uh, uh, you know, need to really be honest with the person in the mirror and say, well, maybe I haven't really done that. If you're not sure, do it again. Pray for your enemies. That's where your breakthrough is going to come from. All right? I'm telling you now, this is the breakthrough place. Pray for your enemies if you've got those that are against you. Choosing blessing over cursing is going to have some hard bits. And this is one of them. And I thought I'd just bring it out, just let you know that 
Jesus told us we have to pray for our enemies. Okay? And uh, when you have got a real enemy, one that's persecuting you, saying things that they, you know, are lying about you or whatever, you have to know that your breakthrough is going to come not by thinking of revengeful thoughts, thinking about, and, and I'll, I'll get on to this, thinking about ways that you can maintain your respect and, and sense of integrity. It's not going to come by that. It's going to come by actually praying for your enemy and meaning it. All right, Lord, I'll pray for them. Lord, bless them today. I Just bless them, good Lord, you know. Do it with heart. Do it with meaning. Do it like you really want them blessed. And you watch your breakthrough come through. Amen. Amen. I like uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 14 to 18. It's a bit of a passage. But look what it says. Bless those who persecute you. Paul understood this when he was writing to the Romans. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind one toward one another as we gather together. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. I say that again, just in case some of you missed that. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. And then verse 17, repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. Verse 18, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Amen. So much conflict arises out of a perceived need to avenge yourself, to protect your reputation, your sense of honour, to protect what you have. Well, you think about it. It does, doesn't it? So much conflict comes out of that. As I'm going to protect my spot. Remember my counsel to to uh, uh, Johnson as he was going through school and a little bit of bullying going on, I used to say to him, protect your ground from your feet up. Protect that, you know. In other words, don't worry about all the other stuff. Just protect yourself physically. And, well, I was caught into the school a few times because he did. <laughs> you know, in the middle of work, I get a call. You need to come in and talk. Johnson's had a bit of a, bit of a conflict with one of the other kids and... And, uh, and you know what? Uh, he was just doing what I told him to do, was just protect himself. Don't let other kids, you know, uh, be physical with you and just let them get away with that. I, I told him that he needed to protect himself, and as I say, he did. But conflicts, you know, may not necessarily go to blows, but conflicts, conflicts come out of a perceived need to avenge yourself. And you've got to watch out for that. To protect your reputation, your sense of honour, and, of course, to protect what you have. It's the common ground of conflicts. You think about that. You know, those unwritten laws of respect. Think about that. The unwritten laws of respect need to be overtaken by God's laws at work in our heart, which are turning the other cheek, uh, going the extra mile, and, of course, overcoming evil with good. All right, this is doing the word. This is doing life with God. If we're going to do life with God, we're going to live this way. And, uh, and of course, its impact on our lives as we begin to, this, uh, to live this way is peace. Peace in our own hearts, first of all, because we're doing all that we should be doing. 
And then uh, uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 19 to 21, we'll read this passage as well. It says, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your, your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. And verse 21, this is the clencher. Verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I'll tell you a story. I'd started uh, working um, at one stage, I'd had like a, a year where I felt that the Lord wanted me to work in this particular uh, role and obviously glean information and, and uh, gain a greater understanding of uh, training. And so I took this role and, uh, and there I was uh, learning, you know, working with a new team of people and, and I was the manager. And there was one particular staff member and um, a clinical nurse. And I don't know, I don't know if that, is that the meanest type? Is that the meanest type of nurse? I'm not really sure, but she was a clinical nurse. And, um, and all smiles to my face, but what the receptionist told me was is that whenever I, I turned my back, she'd go... This all, was making signs, speaking, sticking her tongue out behind me when I walked past. And I'm going, what did I do wrong? You know, I, I really didn't understand what I'd done wrong or how I'd gotten offside with this particular lady. And, um, but she was having a go at me and the receptionist was telling me, she goes, she's doing this behind your back. I'm saying, oh, really? And I hadn't had that. I've been working in the church. And of course, in the church, you know, no one does that. <laughs> Isn't that true? <laughs> But here I was getting a bit of an up, uh, an upskill on, um, on what people do in the workplace. And it was real nasty stuff going on. And I knew that the receptionist knew that this was going on. And so she was giving me intel, uh, uh, information about what this lady was doing. And I couldn't work out what it was. And so uh, I just thought, you know, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do Romans chapter, Romans chapter uh, 12, Verse 21, I'm going to do that, which is I'm going to overcome evil by doing good. And, uh, and of course, what I decided was that whenever there was an end of, an end of the course, uh, that the students would all get involved and they would give her a gift. And I instituted this system where the, where the other students that were receiving from her teaching would get a gift at the end of every course. And, and, and I instituted it and I you know, got it working. And... Um, and of course, then I would actually get up and, and uh, in front of the class and I would say nice things about her, you know. And uh, I don't know whether that brought hot coals on her head or not, but uh, all of the jabs and the, the things being done behind my back stopped, you see. But there's so many other different things I could have done, you know, you can imagine, you know, uh, trying to uh, work it out myself, trying to be, uh, uh, you know, bring a threat bring some revenge, you know, bring a bit of anger uh, into her face. There's so many different things you can do. But I wanted to do the word, and I found out that the word was the thing that worked and changed her attitude and heart. Here's the test to apply to yourself. If your enemy fell upon hard times and came to the place of hunger, needing a meal or was thirsty, needing a drink, could they come to you? Rosemary said no, but <laughs> I'll, I'll deal with her at home, okay, it's all right. 
But here's the question, could you provide that meal? You know, could you provide that drink? And that's really the, the, the question you have in your heart when you've got an ongoing enemy at the moment. Someone who's against you, who always speaks against you, says things against you. What would you do? 1 Peter 3.10, and we have looked at it previously, you know, if we're going to do life with God, if we're going to love life and see good days, we're going to have to choose blessing and not cursing. Can I get an amen? amen. You know, we're going to have to do that. We're going to have to choose that. Revenge is out of the question. Any sense of, you know, a revengeful action or getting back at them in some way, pulling them down, embarrassing them, hurting them, that's out. That, we, we can't live that way anymore and expect to do life with God. You know, I need an amen on that, you know. We, we can't. The difficult, you see, we have to turn away from evil and do good. You know, the difficult part of choosing God's abundant life is the bit where we need to deny ourselves. So I want to touch in on this as we close. It's a bit where we, you know, have to love our enemies when that's not what we really feel and we want to do. Denying ourselves, is, it, it, that's, a, that's a form of self-denial, isn't it? A lot of believers let themselves down in their area of self-denial. We choose the life of God by denying ourselves. That's how we choose the life of God. That means not choosing our own purposes, our own preferences, and our own pathways. You know, we choose the spiritual way, not the carnal way. We don't try and spiritualize the carnal way. Watch out for that, where we're almost deceiving ourselves and thinking that we can get away with it and that no one knows. God knows. And the whole topic is about doing life with God. He knows. He knows that evil intent, you know, when you start to allow that to have uh, a play. Watch out for the old life. I'll just talk about this for a moment. Watch out for the old life that calls us back to how we once lived. You know, that revengeful, you know, avenging yourselves attitude. Watch out for that old life. You know, uh, the complaints of the rabble among the Hebrew people who were delivered from their bondage in Egypt by God's mighty hand. They were those that quickly gave into longings for the old life. They weren't very long into, you know, their journeying out from Egypt and they started to long for the old life. And, uh, you know, they complained against God, to, you know, uh, to quote them. This is what they said. We want meat. We remember the fish we ate for free in Egypt. We also had cucumbers and melons and leeks and onions and garlic. I think that's fish stew, really, right there as a recipe. Fish stew, Numbers 11. You can read it for yourself. But the Lord leads us into his life. But we need to be willing to leave the old life completely behind. What we liked, what we enjoyed, what we, you know, we need to be willing. Abraham was willing. God said, get up out of your, you know, your father's house and this country and into a land that I'll show you. He was willing to go. And frankly, when you start hearing from God, you're willing to do what he calls you to do. You know, that's an exciting lifestyle that he's called us to. But one chapter later, the Bible says he was rich with gold and silver. I like that. 
You know, in other words, the Lord blessed him. And it's a pattern that we can follow as we start to listen uh, for his voice. Nothing wrong with being rich. It's nothing wrong with having things as long as things don't have you. That's it. And God does want to prosper his people. Don't worry about what some of the things people say out there against prosperity preaching. God wants to prosper his people because we can do more. If you're around uh, at the end of the month, make sure you don't miss the service here, okay? Because we're going to be talking about prospering as a church at the end of this, at the end of this month. So if you're a, a church member, don't miss that service. Uh, come along and hear uh, some good news reports about things that God wants to do. Um, Matthew chapter 16, and I'll just turn to that one there. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24, verse 25. And Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Here we are, we're talking about doing life with God. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But he, whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And of course we see in verse 25 a verse that has challenged believers for centuries, I believe. Saving our life, what does that mean? How do you save your life? You do it by doing nothing with the life that Jesus came to bring. That's how you saved your life. Or worse, you do it by going back to your old life. Watch out for that journey. We have to see scripturally that Christians who do that end up at first on the path to destruction. Okay, It's getting on the path of destruction. And unless they repent and change their way, they end up in danger of giving in to unbelief. Denying the Lord Jesus. I call it, as I say, the pathway of destruction because that's not the immediate result of being on the pathway to destruction because you're still a believer, but you're heading in the wrong direction. And eventually, the enemy wears you down to the point of not believing what God's word said, not believing in Jesus. And that's something to run away from. And I'll show you. It's a very somber way to finish this sermon, but I want to just get it to you. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 4 to 6. It says this, For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened, those who were born again, saved, and have tasted the heavenly gift, and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit. We're not talking about someone who's just got their white Bible. This is a group of people. And have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come. They've had some spiritual experiences and know that God's real. Look what it says. If they fall away. It says, going back to the way that the sentence or the passage starts, it's impossible to renew them again to repentance. Since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. This is a group of people who, and they're out there who start to go back. We want to do life with God, start doing life with God, have all these experiences that are listed there. You could dot point them. And then to fall away. In other words, to uh, no longer believe on the Lord Jesus. And the worst part is, and the, the actual point in which that happens, is when they believe it in their heart, 
and they confess it with their mouth. And this is what I say. The way out is the way you came in. If you want to step out of the kingdom of God, that's the way it's done. You believe it in your heart and then you confess it with your mouth. You believe that you no longer believe in Jesus and that you say it with your mouth. Very sombre, but it's something to avoid. And I don't believe it's just as easily as someone who gets caught up in and struggling with sin. It's not that. It's talking about, you know, those that uh, get onto that path of destruction and then stay on it and stay on it. And eventually the enemy will wear you down to the point of getting you to not believe in Jesus anymore. We want to do life with God. And I really believe that we need to know what that means and not be fearful. You know, not be a people that live in fear, but a people that live by faith. And the way that we live by faith is by confessing God's word in our heart and, and speaking it with our mouths, being a people that know how to de- declare God's word over our lives, decree God's word over our lives, and see the change that comes from it. A people that are led by the Spirit of God. That's what he's called us to be. Let's be those that never go back and wisely stay off the path to destruction. Amen? Amen.